0: Good morning. morning. A beautiful day for zazen, birds, the breeze. Temperature could not be more perfect. Of course the temperature is always perfect, but sometimes we're not in sync with it, right? Oh, it's so cold. Oh, it's so hot. But it's hard to complain on a day like this. And this day like this is our true being. Sometimes we need a little help from the seasons to remember all. This perfection is... What is... And there's very little to say about it. It's all being said. Kempo Roshi's statement of this was just don't strive. Now this may leave us feeling somewhat perplexed if we come to what we think is Zen practice with some idea of what is involved, we may notice that there is a lot of striving in our attitude toward it. For example, we hear in the six paramitas the fourth paramita, fourth perfection is what? Right. Determination, dedication, assiduity, really going for it. Not being lazy about the practice. And it's easy to veer toward this strong effort as a kind of dualistic, goal-oriented approach to Zazen. Especially when we hear Hakuin Zenji's Rohatsu exhortations, each of which ends with what? Exert yourself. Exert yourself! Not exert yourself. (laughs) He really says it that way. And so we hear that and we think, oh, I'm not doing enough. I should really try harder in my zazen. Otherwise, I'm just a lazy, self-indulgent, wasting time piece of shit. Right? Most of the time we may feel that way. If we really are practicing, really doing our utmost, doing our best, Huh? Otherwise, there are certainly people who come to the Zendo and sit down and have a nap, and don't want to sit on their own, and just basically... like, you know, okay, whatever. This, too, is practice. So, in our, again, dualistic way of thinking, it's either one or the other. It's either full steam ahead, really making great effort, really pushing, striving, or just, okay, well, I got here, and soon they'll ring the bell, and then I'm gonna go. Okay yeah, I'm a Zen student, whatever. See, it's so funny how we fall into these extremes. And, of course, we hear from Hakuin Zenji when he's not doing Rohatsu exhortations that we are like one who, in the midst of water, cries and thirsts so imploringly. Does that mean there must be water over there? There's no water over here. Does that mean that if we could only get to that place, if we could work harder, we would find the water? No, he's not saying that at all, is he? He's saying we're in the midst of water. And then later on in this chant that we just did, he says, even those who have practiced it for just one sitting, Now this just one sitting if we really enter into it what is that? That really entering into this just one sitting is that striving? Is that being lazy? What is it? One city. Hmm? Releasing. Releasing all of those ideas, all of that dualistic thinking, all of that comparative thinking. I was at Daibosatsu for uh, Friday, Saturday. Friday night, there was a group of uh, women. Who were part of an, uh, a visiting AA group, recovery group, and I gave a short zazen orientation, focusing on posture and breath, as I always do, to try to help them release. Because you could see it in everyone's faces; they had been struggling all week long with various things. Then they finally got into their cars and drove out of New York City on a Friday afternoon. Some of you don't know what that's like, (laughs) but it's intensely difficult. And finally made it there, many of them late, missed supper, came in during the Zazen period. And so what could I offer them? Just this releasing, just this feeling that we come here to enter just one sitting, just this breath, just the leaves moving on the trees in the breeze, and nothing is added. Why? Hmm? Why? I'll put it a different way. And we don't have to add a thing. Why? Has it? Is. As th- okay. How many believe this, to be so? This is a little kind of wrinkle. Right? We think we have to believe. Okay, so those two things. We think. We have to believe that it is perfect. If you take away the thinking and take away the believing and just allow as it is, could not be more perfect, more wonderful. So he says, for those who have practiced it for just one sitting, they will see all their harmful karma erased. So here again is a, an interesting thing that happens for us. We become aware of harmful karmas, something I said, something I did. You know, this is kind of plaguing me. I'm carrying all this baggage around, they did this, and then I did that, blah blah blah, the usual thing that goes on in thinking dualistic thinking, judgmental thinking, self-blame thinking. So we think, okay, we have to strive to erase our harmful karma, and then we can have one sitting, one real sitting, one perfect sitting, one beautiful sitting. Then we will notice that things are perfect as they are. So notice there's this if-then construction in the mind instead of right here, right now. As it is. You like it? Fine. You don't like it? Fine. It's getting past that preferential mind as we have said many times. And that is difficult. And so we think we have to strive to get past the preferential mind it all keeps coming around again to I'm not good enough. I haven't mastered this yet. I must do more. I, I, I. Notice. So release, release that I. I can only get in the way. And this is a wonderful pun and wonderful joke for yourself. As you know, Ellen Watts wrote a book called In My Own Way, based on this pun. We're always getting in our own way. We're forgetting that we are already in our own way, our own true self way. The way is nothing but. We cannot strive to find it. Hmm? You all agree? Maybe not. It's okay. But that's what Hakuin means when he says, if we concentrate within. And this can be misleading, too. When he says, if we concentrate within, you may think that that means... Blocking everything out. Hmm? Concentrate within. Therefore Birds may be singing, but don't listen. Only pay attention to what? I am concentrating within. Okay. Not a good idea. So be at least must be released that too. Concentrate within means what? Where is the within? Bounded by your body? Where is your body? Where does it end? Hmm? Infinite. So if we understand what he is really saying, concentrate within means full, Awareness with no separated ego entity seeing everything out there as separate, but rather realizing everything so called out there is nothing but this very one sitting. Right here. This very within, inside, outside, are one. So the permeability of the mind is a very wonderful thing to return to. We're always setting up structures that keep us from this full awareness all being with being one. And then he says, the gate of the oneness of cause and effect is open. So many thoughts have to do with cause and effect, self and other, all of these dualities. But the gate of the oneness is open, all the time open. This is open right here. However you are feeling right now is the gate. Of non duality. When Hakuin says, if we concentrate within and testify to the truth that self nature is no nature, this is what he is. Fully manifesting what is self-nature. As soon as we identify it with anything, we have created a very difficult situation for ourselves. But when we open to this no nature, this is exactly what Genpo Roshi means by do not strive, do not put something on, do not aspire to go elsewhere because you think you are not yet good enough. And this is an interesting thing, too, that you may notice in your own zazen. This thought of not being yet perfect, not being yet good enough, is exactly what keeps you from realizing there is nothing more wondrous than you right here sitting in this moment. When I uh, was at Daibasatsu a few weeks ago, and I met a woman there whose father had trained at Ngakuji, as I told you in the last Heisho I gave here, she um, she and I were talking about the current master of Ngakuji, Nanrei Roshi, whom I had met a couple of times, and she gave me his book. is called Insights into Living. And I thought, this really conveys this Genpo Roshi statement, do not strive, and Hakuin Zenji's all oh, this song of Zen to return into this. So here's what he says. First, a little poem. On a lotus flower, happily napping a while. So here's the lotus flower on the lotus leaves. And he doesn't have any form to show us his happily napping a while. What a wonderful way to do zazen. Realizing you're on a lotus, this, every thought is a... What happens? Lotus blossom, right? Buddha, rising up, taking this form that you are. If we can really see every thought as a lotus blossom, from which a Buddha emerges, Why not nap a while? There is nothing to do. This is Rinzai's famous Buji. The dynamic Master Rinzai. All of his teachings can be boiled down into Buji. There is nothing to do. You are already it. Wake up to your original perfection. Waking up takes what? So here's the Zen paradox. What does it take to wake up? Infinite effort. (laughs) Constantly falling into dualistic thinking, egotistical thinking, constantly this separated identity, constantly because it's a default mode. It's what we've learned. But seeing through it, is to see that it doesn't have any reality. We don't have to cling to it. So it's a continual returning, returning, returning to oneness. That's all we are doing. Does that take great effort? Yes and no. If we think it's something we have to claim, if it's something something that we have to aspire to as a goal that we must reach, then again we are forgetting, we're seeking it far away. What a pity in the midst of water, crying in thirst. So instead, why don't we swallow the whole ocean right here? We are not separate from it. But anyway, I was going to read something by Nanre she. so I will. So he starts with this haiku. On a lotus flower, happily napping a while. This is the sense of a haiku I once wrote, a haiku that would serve well as my farewell to the world. And he's fairly young. He's probably, I don't know, maybe even my age, but I think I'm young, so... Nevertheless, we never know, right? We never know. Farewell. In the celebrated Chinese novel, The Journey West, the monkey son Wu Gong dashes frantically here and there, as if covering a great deal of territory, only to discover that all the while, he has been running around on the palm of the Buddha's hand. Here we all are, scurrying madly, here and there, trying to achieve, trying to make ourselves better, trying to get it, whatever that is. All along we are in the palm of the Buddha's hand. We are it. Hmm? Then what? And he says, In spite of all our many actions, we, too, never leave the Buddha's hand. Which, in my verse, I express as being on a lotus blossom. So you may say, well, where is Buddha's hand? I'm not feeling that I'm supported right now. Many times in our lives we may feel we are not being supported. Has anyone felt that way? You need something? Somehow it's not all here? Or you've, you know, you've been on the palm of Buddha's hand and then he went like this? You don't deserve to be in the ball, a palm of the Buddha's hand. Right? This voice comes. We, too, never leave the Buddha's hand because... Where is it? Hmm? Everywhere and yet? Nowhere. We cannot say, okay, the hen is over there. I'm going to go sit there. If I do really good, one sitting, then, no, right here. Cannot be separate. The meaning of my poem is that human life consists of napping a while in the bosom of the Buddha's lotus, lotus. During the nap, we dream. Sometimes sweet dreams, sometimes distressing ones. So, of course, this means that in our lives, events occur, circumstances happen, we experience anxiety about someone's health, distress about someone's departure, feelings that are difficult that have to do with a lot of old baggage we're still carrying around, sense of inadequacy, all kinds of things, dreams come. We call it our lives, these dreams. No matter which kind, however, they all take place in the palm of the Buddha's hand, in the Buddha nature. And of course, Akkwini Zenji starts his Song of Zazen this way, right? Hmm? Sentient beings are fundamentally Buddha. We cannot get out Of this, because it is without bounds. He ends. How boundless the cleared sky of samadhi. When we sit just listening, just feeling, just being, just experiencing this very moment, the form of no form has form. then truly boundless. Then he says, Human life is like dreams during a temporary nap in the great Buddha nature. While dreaming, a person can realize that he or she is dreaming and that it is all taking place on top of a lotus flower. We come to do Zen practice so that we can have this realization, so that we don't get stuck in what we have come to identify with, our own misery. This will never end. This will only get worse. This will never never have any relief. I am whatever. Each one of you probably has your own narrative on this. But... We don't get stuck if we realize, "Well, oh, this is a dream I am having. What I have come to identify as who I am is a dream. Takawan Zenji said, life is a dream. Death is a dream. And of course you all know the final verse to the Diamond Sutra. Mm? Like a dream. Like a phantasm. Sogen Asahina, Ngakuji's head priest in the mid-20th century, strongly insisted on the importance of always believing ourselves to be in Buddha nature. If we keep, this is more than a matter of belief. This is just like returning to one, returning to this exhalation. It is not a mental construct. The place we live most usually and with great, Stickiness is mental construction. So, again, releasing from that mental construction is what we do when we sit. We return again and again to what has never had form, what has never been a construct. This reality. And you may say, well, it takes striving to do that returning. But this word strive does, after all, have a kind of underpinning of goal. Getting something, acquiring something attaining something. And as soon as we get into that something that must be attained, we are circling back into everything that I have already said. Right? You see how easily this comes around again? And so what is don't strive? It means don't get stuck in any of this. Let it go. This is why we sit with nothing but the exhalation as our awareness. The mind is on the breath, in the breath, one with the breath. We have to encourage ourselves to return to this that cannot be ever contained or confined. I'm sure all of you have tried to exhale and hold on to it. Hmm? Put it in a box. Say, okay, I did it. I attained my goal. I exhaled. Of course, you know, it's ludicrous when we put it that way, but there's a kind of mental thing going on that is actually doing that so that we cannot flow with this exhalation. Become aware of this moment. Experience the fullness of a new breath. Release it totally. You see how simple zazen is? That's what we tend to not want. We want to strive, we want to get, we want to make, we want to form, we want to this and that and the other thing. And so, Nanme Roshi says, We try to find enlightenment through Zazen. Instead of just doing Zazen, instead of just being enlightenment, there's no difference. That's what Dogen said, right? What is practice? Practice is enlightenment. It's not a method toward it. What is enlightenment? He also said, huh? practice. Practice. So where are you going to go? Already there. We have to remind ourselves. It's very important this. Reminding ourselves. So he says, we travel far and wide in search of happiness. Why do we do that? We have no faith in ourselves as nothing but happiness. Right? Here it is. No matter what happens to us, if we have this oneness with what is, this happiness can never be taken away. And it was never a thing to begin with. This is really what we mean by faith. Allowing what is. Allowing it. And not trying to manipulate it in some sort of devious way to make it better so that we can be whatever. So he says we travel far and wide, but no matter how far we go, it eludes us. Always thinking it's out there. Of course, it eludes us. The important thing is suddenly realizing that our very walking itself is happiness. This walking, looking for it, is it. And this is a sudden realization. And for that, we tend to hear things like, make a great effort. But it's not a great effort in the sense of trying to get something that we are not already. It is make a great effort not to get lost in the highways and byways of doing this and going there. Sometimes that great effort to return to the breath seems impossible because the mind is so accustomed to the dualistic frenzy of what it considers to be reality. So we need to be reminded. Remind ourselves and be reminded that this very walking itself is happiness. He says, We meditate sitting with the idea that enlightenment will emerge at some point. This is true. We do. Maybe if I just, you know, come next Sunday and then Sunday after that, then the third Sunday, enlightenment will emerge. Yay! And then what? No more need to come on Sundays? So, this, of course, is a silly thing to say. In fact, Sazen in itself is enlightenment. The issue is not entering a world of enlightenment where all suffering and sorrow drop away. Well, then why do this? We might say, what? Isn't that why I'm sitting? I want all of my sorrow and suffering to drop away. So, of course, this too keeps us from realizing this moment as it is. Always thinking it should be different. He says, the Buddha nature is right now, right here, in the midst of trouble and pain. The important thing is to believe this and proceed with a calm and expansive attitude. Then this beautiful photograph calm and expansive, vivid and alive could not be any more perfect. Then it is right here, right now. So what do you do? What do you do? If this is something that you still feel is a belief that is elusive and very hard to enter into and that it can only be some sort of mental idea or concept, what do you do? Hmm? Give it up. Give it up. I spoke of the fourth paramita, paramita of assiduity or dedication or great effort. The third is... Anyone? Right view? Hmm? Right view. What? Right view. No. It's not about the eightfold path. Right view, right effort, all of that. The six paramitas, the six perfections. What is the third? They start with dana, Giving. The second one is Shila, morality, the precepts. The third Wisdom. Hmm? Wisdom. No, that sure comes later. Enthusiasm. enthusiasm is the fourth, which we talked about very strong, you know, determination. Patience. So what do we do? if this belief seems elusive, if we're not really sure that just here, just now, in this very body, in this very troubled mind, is true awakening. Only somehow we've been not paying attention. What do we do? Endure. Just patiently. Hmm? Endure. Yes. To endure what cannot be endured, Dogen, uh, excuse me, Genpo Rushi said to the emperor's emissary. And then he said that. Just endure it. Not with the idea that you should be getting free of what you're enduring so that you can then finally find peace and happiness. But remembering that right in the midst of what you are enduring is the whole, the enlightenment itself. But because you have separated your lives into what you like and what you don't like, you have focused on what you don't like to see it as something that is impeding you, therefore it has some reality, therefore you can never be happy. That's basically it. So, oh, patience, coming, sitting down, listening, being the breath, feeling gratitude, feeling each other's support. This is very important to really be here for each other, to really understand the treasure of Sangha. Today we have Dharma kids. These little people are walking around completely one with their environment, not feeling that if only they could pull that weed and prune that branch, then everything would be perfect. Nonetheless, we have to pull that weed, prune that branch. This is the paradox. We are doing this To free ourselves, to free our minds of all entangling views. Pull those weeds, understanding that they are not, they have no inherent reality. They are treasures too, as Shunyu Suzuki said. Nonetheless, if they are choking some lovely thing that we would like to enjoy fragrantly blossoming, pull the damn weeds. Okay, This is in our minds too. Really see them. See what's bothering you and get rid of it. It is not a thing that you are plagued by. It is something you, out of all of your long-suffering past, have come to see as who you are. Fundamental falsehood, you are not. You are nothing but this this Buddha. This Buddha. This Buddha. This Buddha. So thank you for being here.